On this week's episode of the Wanderings and Gathering podcast, we talk about songs we hate and the new Weezer. Stick around. There's some surprises sprinkled in as well. It's another episode of Wanderings and Gathering. Here's Foggy. Welcome to Wanderings and Gathering, episode 20. I'm your host, Foggy, as you just heard. And with me as always, JPP and T-Bags. Good evening, fellas. Good evening. Good evening. Hey, give uh, T-Bags another intro. Say T-Bags again. Welcome, T-Bags. T-Bags, too hot for TV. <laughs> yes. And then just for me personally, just say T-Bags again. T-Bags. It'll loop through the whole thing. T-Bags, too hot for TV. I was going to whisper it so it'd be hot, <laughs> but whatever. A nice little splat there at the end for you. <laughs> Let's just move past that. <laughs> <laughs> you asked for it. Yeah, true. Uh, <laughs> I love it. Thanks, Paul. Hey, you're welcome. This is what happens when Paul has too much downtime. That's right. Absolutely. That's right. <laughs> Got snowed in. It helps. <laughs> well, gentlemen, how are things going? Good. Had a lot of time to play with some toys, as you heard, so that's uh, a good start. <laughs> yes. Nice. Yeah. I'm, I'm doing well, and this weekend was pretty relaxing, so... I won't bore you with my stories, but uh, it was nice to just be able to be creative. I'm going to bore you with my stories. Please do. Because, not that it's really that important or exciting or anything, but, um, you know, for for me and for Tony, we are on the doorstep of Lent. Mm-hmm. So it's just a couple of days away. And so, at this time of the year, every year, it really gets me into that contemplative state. You know, where you're, where you're thinking about what you want to do. It's, you know, it's a time of sacrifice. It's really kind of reevaluating your life, those kind of things. So mm-hmm. typically, um, a lot of Catholics give up something yep. as sacrifice because that's a logical thing to do. Right. And I was thinking about what I was going to give up, and then it just seems so self-serving. You know, oh, I'm going to give up sugar. What's my ulterior motive? Well, I'm going to lose weight. You know, so it's like, uh-huh. what am I really doing? And... um so I'm not going to do that because a few years ago, I did something. Instead of giving up something, I added something to my plate that that helped. And I went uh, onto everybody's Facebook page, all my friends, and I would write a nice note, some kind of uh, uh, something where they just tell them what they meant to me, yeah, or you know, giving them some positive vibes moving forward. And I did that one per day every day of Lent, and so that went really well. Made pe- people feel pretty well. So the other day, I was thinking. You know, in my job as an assistant principal, um, most of what I do is give bad news to kids. Uh-huh. So I'm thinking, okay, you know what? I'm going to write a note to various kids and just with some encouragement. And then, um, you know how things go. And as an educator, you're always trying to better yourself and find new things. And I read this quote by a guy who changed a school. And he said, you have to feed your teachers or they will eat the children. Yeah. And so I shifted my focus. I'm thinking, you know what? Now I'm going to do the same thing I was going to do for the kids, but I'm going to do it for the teachers. That's great. And I thought that was was kind of a cool thing. And then mm-hmm. today um, we went to Mass in Lafayette. And for those of you who don't know, I'm we're in Kokomo, so I don't typically go to Mass in Lafayette. Um, but the cool thing about Catholicism is no matter where you go in the world, it's the same Mass everywhere you go. There's no pomp. Well, there's some pomp and circumstance, but... Um, <laughs> But for the most part, it's the same, you get the same readings, it's the same schedule of events, the whole thing, no matter where you go in the world. So 
everywhere we go, we never miss Mass, and we've gone in Vegas and Toronto and Cincinnati, and you know, no matter where we are, we go. So we went to Lafayette today, uh-huh. and this priest just like totally knocked my socks off. He uh, had like a British accent. He was really fast speaking, uh, so good. And one of the things he was talking about was um, being spiritually blind. And I think you could really expand that to anything in your life, being blind to the things that are good for you, that keep you off the track. And he talked about digging a pit. And you do things that keep you from being positive, doing the things that you want to do. Mm -hmm. And the pit gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And he said, before you know it, it becomes a domicile and you get comfortable and you just start to inhabit that place and you give up, you become spiritually blind. You don't see the things that you should be doing. And I thought that was really interesting Yeah. Um, with moving forward. It's just like all those things kind of culminate into one thing. So for me, mm-hmm. it was really an enlightening weekend and it's really setting me on the right path as we begin Lent here in, um, in a couple of days. So yeah, I think good weekend for me as far as that goes. That's awesome. I, I think that, uh, well, first of all, I remember when you did write all of those, uh, things on people's Facebook page and uh, little notes through email or whatever, whatever it was. Cause I remember getting one from you and that's awesome. I love that, you know, feed the teachers or eat the children. I've never heard that before. That's very cool. Um, and then it's funny because when I said I was creative this weekend, it's, it's along similar lines. Like I keep saying, I'm going to do something more publicly writing wise and try to like better myself a little bit more. Um, Mm -hmm. and so I've been working behind the scenes to put together a blog that has some structure to it. That is like, it's music Mondays, tech Tuesdays, weight loss, Wednesdays, miscellaneous Thursdays and fitness Fridays. So building in a couple of things that I need to do with weight loss and fitness, but I'm not the only mid forties person overweight trying to get through, you know, so hopefully somebody can read something and it'll help them. But are you um, talking to me? (laughs) (laughs) You're looking at me. I'm looking right at you, Paul on this. No, I'm just preaching to the choir, bro. (laughs) Um, But that is, I did it and timed it with Lent because one, I tend to stick to things longer when I have that kind of, purpose behind it you know <laughs> mm-hmm. and then to you mean that that catholic guilt yeah that, well you know we'll call it purpose <laughs> whatever it takes or, man yeah. whatever it takes whatever it takes for right and um but yeah that's the idea behind it was like to really align it with that because also like our uh, our trainers at work will talk about how it takes six weeks to really make a habit and all that stuff and you know you're looking at like six to seven weeks of lent and so if at the very least if the habit i get is like purposely writing underneath categories that's a great thing. If I actually get to where I'm losing weight or gaining muscle or feeling better or anything like that, that's great. But ultimately I'm hoping that by putting it out there publicly, I can connect with people and build relationships outside of, you know, just the ones that I have in these circles here. So kind of along similar lines. So I love that we're both adding something to our plate, hopefully for a more positive, you know, experience. Yeah. Well, the key for me is it doesn't have to be positive for me. It could be brutal for me, and that is even more True. the point, right? But it's going to – hopefully somebody else will will feel the good. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. There's always a reward in discomfort and struggle. Yes. Yeah. And I don't know if you either of you have read up on David Goggins at all, who was a former Navy SEAL and um, lost a ton of weight and had a hole yes. in his heart, had surgery, and was still swimming pretty deep and could have died, but, you know, he overcame that anyway. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, his whole mantra is, you know, you 
grow through that suffering. And so yeah. I've been following a lot of his content and um, ordered his book. I'm waiting on that to come just because, you know, it's easy to get comfortable. It's easy to get stuck in the mindset where, oh, it didn't go my way and uh, the life sucks, world sucks, blah, 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 yeah. and all that kind of stuff. But it's just, you just have to take a step back and, and just really reevaluate. It's like, okay, look, you know, the roof's over my head. Things are not that bad. There's people that are going through 20 times worse than what I'm going through, and here I am, uh-huh. miserable. You know, f that. Yeah. So you know, it's it's a daily reminder that you know your brain can really choose to make you want to go down a particular path, but what it comes down to is you just have to, you know, put yourself in check and rise above it. So yeah. Um. You know, now of course I won't elaborate too far, but I, I haven't practice in religion you know in my life overall mm-hmm. i've dabbled here and there and i certainly don't have any problems with i'm not a person that's going to say oh you're religious well i don't want to talk to you or anything like that by any means <laughs> we all have ways that we have to you know lift ourselves up in life but mm-hmm. i have participated in in lent before um you know t- for the practice of it and the ritual of giving something up or making a, a deliberate change and trying to see what the outcome has been in the past, it was giving up caffeine. Um, it was tough. I was able to do it. And then, um, uh-huh. you know, this year, I really thought about maybe doing something with it. Of course, diet's always a quick and easy one to, to gravitate toward. But I need to make it deeper. And so uh-huh. um, given the loss that we had this year and stuff, too, I want to make it something that uh, becomes kind of a learning lesson with that path of loss. And then what you gain through, um, you know, that reevaluation and that new normal if you will like i talked about last week yeah that's great i think i need i mean whatever you know mindset that you're in that you're trying to just further yourself or better yourself i mean who's to cast stones at that you know what i mean Mm -hmm. and it doesn't have to be under the pretense of religion because certainly there's plenty of people that we all know and myself included that you know, you can do things under the guise of religion and and don't even really get very far you know so but uh uh, real quick to go back to David Groggins for a second because it's funny everything you guys are saying. Part of the reason I'm I'm doing what I'm doing for Lent is because I'm reading David Groggins' book right now called Can't Hurt Me, the one that mm-hmm. you ordered. Yep. And uh, by the way, he cusses. Surprise! <laughs> if you've been following him, you know he uh, he he, uh, he pulls no punches with how he talks. But right. um, what I liked about him too, he was talking about how purpose takes you further than motivation. Mm-hmm. So uh, and he was saying that he wrote. When he put on shoes, you know, to run, to try to qualify for something, he ran 70 miles. He hadn't even ran in like a year. He ran 70 miles and he had broken bones in his feet and shin splints and was peeing blood and all kinds of stuff. And yeah, but the, but the purpose for why he was doing it, let him take it the next 30, you know, whatever. And he ended up running like eight different 100 mile marathons in a row. Um, the, the dude's crazy. If you have a chance, uh, Jesse Eisler wrote a book about him originally. That's where he kind of came out of the woodwork, um, talking about he brought him into his home for 30 days. And David basically said, no excuses. Whatever I say, <laughs> you do it. They were out yeah. in below zero weather. He had a newborn baby, had it strapped to him inside of his coat, and had to go jog for several miles. You know, And it's like, yeah. my wife's not here. He's like, I don't care. We're going jogging. Figure it out. So yes. you know, that kind of stuff. It's, it's great. Um, it, it, it drives home that point, too. And one of the key things he said, this is the last point I'll touch on. He said, when um, you feel like you can't do any more, your body's at 40% of its capacity. You have 60% left to go. Mm-hmm. And yep. so that really drove home to me to quit whining and just get off the couch and you know get busy so exactly yeah he's cool steve you're the uh 
you probably work out more than any of us on this podcast, but when he decided to set the world record, like pull up, you know, record, mm-hmm. I think he did. Paul, you can correct me if you know this exact figure, but it was over like 4,100 pull ups in a day. I wouldn't, I say it's about right. What? Yeah. Yeah. Oh my Lord. Imagine your arms after that. I think he did like three a minute on average or something. Did you say 4.1? 41. Yeah. 4.1 is my record. Oh, my decibel is off. Sorry. (laughs) Yeah. Holy God. That's amazing. And I was proud of two and a half. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Anyway, I think there's actually video of him. Um, I think they videoed it for the, for the record. So if so, I'll throw that in the show notes. Groovy. Yeah, man. Cool. All right. Wow. We are getting ourselves in a good place, fellas. That's right. Yes, we are. Maybe we can uh, track this as we go each week. Uh, just comment on where we are as far as our Linton uh, projects yeah. and betterment going forward. And maybe we can keep track and uh, people can keep track of us. Let, That'd be cool. Great. Yeah, let's do that. Awesome. Well, now that we're all hopeful and everything, let's talk about hate. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, uh, was this, this is yours, right, Paul? Yes, that's me. We're going to do the weekly challenge. And uh, (laughs) we went through a process of finding, you know, five favorite songs. And we all kind of cursed and moaned under our breath about how tough that was. Um, It's it's easy to pick songs, but then it's like you got to narrow them down. I went the opposite route. You know, what what songs drive you crazy? What songs do you not like? And, um, you know, hate's a strong word. Uh But there are things that about a tune, it could be... The song itself, it's an earworm that you just can't get it out of your head once you hear it and you're not a fan of it. It could be a personal experience that anytime you hear that song, it reminds you of that and you just, ah, I got to get away. You know, several different examples. So, you know, I wanted to draw from those type of experiences and see if you guys had any top five that, you know, rang those type of bells. Now, uh, I understand we have some listener submissions, which, hey, awesome. That's great. And it's funny when you pick, hey, pick songs you hate. Oh, I got this one. I got that one. Uh-huh. Um, you know, there's no stories with them, but I'm interested to hear what some of the listeners' feedback is on this particular category. Yeah. Yeah, we got a bunch of uh, different write-ins uh-huh. uh, from some folks. Um, Ryan Freeman, he came to me with Take Me to Church by Hosea. Wow. I could see him not liking that, uh, actually. I know I know Freebird. Yeah. Yeah, Freebird's awesome. Um, and I could see that, too, where it could be a 50-50 thing. You either absolutely fall in love or, or you hate it. Yeah. Um, and his wife gave me one as well. This one, this one really took me back. I was like, oh, that's interesting. And she hates Message in a Bottle by Police. Wow. You think you know a person. Exactly. You do. <laughs> yes. Kyle Brust, brother of Preston Brust, fantastic young man. Mm-hmm. He hates, mm, however you say it, by Crash Test Dummies. <laughs> Is that right? Mm-hmm. Oh, Mbop oh, was going to be on yeah, mine. Yeah, okay. mm-hmm. yeah, that whole thing. Yeah, he hates that, and I can see where people hate that, yeah, too. Yeah, that's a good one, actually. This one was <laughs> a little strange. Cheryl Burwell. She is a math teacher uh-huh. in middle school. She was school. my old math teacher back and in the day. She's wonderful. She's retiring oh, this wow. year. Beautiful lady. Yeah, she's amazing. She was so good to my kids. Um, she hates Hotel California by the Eagles. What? Yeah, I was like, that's interesting. And she had a whole comment about it. And um, 
She just said it sounded creepy. I'm with okay. her on that one. And you know, that's 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 actually yeah. more of an earworm for me that once I hear it, I can't get it out of my head, especially the damn solo. Um, so, you know, that's where it kind of draws a line for me. I mean, it's not a terrible tune, but it just won't go away once I hear it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Somebody actually under her who, who did another song said, yeah, I agree. It's a creepy song. <laughs> So yeah. more than one person thinks that's nice. creepy. Yeah. Uh, Debbie, uh, Debbie Martin, listener, uh, hates Sweet Dreams by the Arrhythmics. Wow. I know. Cash. That's interesting. Okay. Follow-up question. Do you like the Manson version? <laughs> yeah. Oh, love that. That was totally good. Nice. <laughs> so, I don't even think she knows that exists. But um, And this one, this one hurts me. This is like a dagger to the oh, heart. Oh, no. My wife. And, and she has... A sound she does when she tells me she hates uh-huh. this. Her number one hated song of all time is Tom Sawyer by Rush. Oh my gosh. <laughs> she hates it. And then she does, she hates keyboards. <laughs> I mean, so Paul, that's a, that's a dagger in your direction. Yeah. But she hates synth and all that. So she just does that part at the end of Tom Sawyer. And she hates that song and it crushes me. I'm going to drink to that. Yeah, you should. <laughs> I, For my sorrow. My, my wife hates. Damien Rice is the point, and she won't let me play him when she's around. And she, she really? hates a lot of Nine Inch Nails because she doesn't like noise. <laughs> and she considers some of their like solos and things they do noise. So, yeah, it's rough. I can't play Damien Rice or Nine Inch Nails much around her. So Since we were uh, groaning about our wives, my wife doesn't like it when I play Cannibal Corpse in the house. I swear. Wow. I mean, it's just like, try to relax what? and try to relax something yeah. to you know, calm down. and. <laughs> Turn that off. Then she, you know, pops on the Sound of Music soundtrack, and it's the opposite effect for me. You're like, I wasn't even playing it. That's the garbage disposal. (laughs) Yeah, I'm just kidding. Um, (laughs) I had a uh, couple of write-ins from Metalhead Monday. Uh Just so you know, (laughs) he said that he absolutely despises the Star Spangled Banner and uh, <laughs> hallelujah. <laughs> oh, Lord. And, and he hates back home again in Indiana, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> That's <you>. right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just oh, the Jim Neighbors version. Poor Monday. Right. <laughs> uh, Paul, what do you have? You had some write-ins, right? Yeah, bear with me. I'm going to have to flip through a couple of screens here. So um, Metalhead Monday's cousin, Bo, is now a, a fan and listener. Sweet. He wrote in that he doesn't like Bring Me to Life by Evanescence. Okay. Metalhead Monday wrote a legit comment <laughs> on the uh, Facebook page, and uh, he wrote two, uh, Motley Crue, You're All I Need, and The Animals, House of the Rising Sun. Hmm. Um, the Motley Crue surprises me, because he was a hair metal guy back But that's not a hair metal song. No, no, but, you know, he loved Crue. Yeah. Um, he loved White Lion, so, you know, it's like, how could Crue okay. be... You know anything off off their list? Be a scratch <laughs> off, but we'll, we'll we'll dig in further. You know, inquiring minds must know. Breaking news. That, I need to get a soundbite for breaking news. I'll work on that. Um, let's see. Cat Ams. She's a, a friend of my family. She wrote in. Can't think of five right off, but the final countdown makes me want to go back in time and stop Europe from ever. <laughs> I love that comment. So, <laughs> I'm kind. Yeah, yeah, I'm on board with that one too. Yeah, <laughs> And then I've got a buddy who actually has a podcast called It Gets Weird. Uh, basically, uh-huh. him and some buddies drink and talk about conspiracy theories. It's a nice. good time. Niall Wright, uh, if you get a chance to check out his podcast, I highly suggest it. So he gave me a list of five. And number I'll, I'll go backwards. Uh, number five is Moves Like Jagger, Maroon 5. Okay. Number four, Wake Me Up, Avicii. Number three, Mr. Jones, Counting Crows. Number two, One that. Week, Bare Naked Ladies. And then number one, Hit Me With Your Best Shot, Pat Benatar. Okay. 
Hmm. Niall comes from a background. Uh, Sonic Youth is one of his favorite bands. He loves a lot of noise rock. Love that. Yeah. So nine times out of ten, if I'm saying if I want to listen to something I've never heard before, I'll hit him up. It's like, hey Niall, I'm in the mood for something new. What you got? And he throws me something. He turned me on to the band Health that I mentioned last week, actually. Uh-huh. So um, he's a good uh, wealth of knowledge for the underground. Cool. Uh, by the way, uh, I just checked, um, and I have some more updates. Okay. I have two more songs. All right. Amanda Gamblin hates Sweet Home Alabama. <laughs> okay. And, I like you, Amanda. I don't even know you. <laughs> uh, yep. And Christopher Ellison likes or dislikes intensely Baby Shark. What's that? A new song being played everywhere. Oh, you mm. haven't heard that yet? And it has uh, movements and everything. You do your hand and then it moves to your arms. Okay. And, nope. Yeah. Done. It, it, they do it at sports games now. It's, yeah. It's kind my of, eye is twitching. I got a quick story. So we take my daughter to a weekly swim lesson, and uh, while we're there, we're sitting on the opposite side of the the glass so we can see them in the pool swimming and doing their uh, training and whatnot, and the parents are there with young ones, or in my case, I usually sit there with headphones on and listen to the album we're about to review, and um, there's been a handful of parents who are trying to appease their toddlers who are very fidgety and feisty and so baby shark's been on repeat the past month um you know on their phones at full blast so that's been good oh good yeah thanks and let me let me just jump in that the paul your metalhead monday things were legitimate mine are obviously made up but i tried to just like provoke metalhead monday so that he'll come back on the show so i would like to point out though that legitimately so not one in sync or Backstreet Boys song made his hate list. Just saying. Conspiracy theory. Yeah. It, it gets Just weird. Tell him. I know. Okay. He's right. <laughs> um, well, All let's right. jump in, shall we? Let's get legit. Yeah. And uh, guys, I don't have five. I have four. I, I don't hate songs. If That's I don't fine. like them, I just don't listen. So Totally fine. So how do you want to do this? Uh, we can just go person by person if you want. All right. I yeah, that's fine. That. Instead of doing a round table. I'll go first because I don't have the full the full group. Okay. Cool. Okay. My number four is kind of a cheat because it's any song by the Trans-Siberian Orchestra. <laughs> okay. That's fair. <laughs> like it's not really five, but it might be a hundred. I don't know. But yeah, that's okay. Oh, I hate it. That so counts anyway. for two. You know what's interesting about them though? Um one of the guys from Megadeth, well we former guitar, I think Chris Broderick is involved with that project as well as guys from the band Sabotage. So great shredder musicians. And, you know, I see what they're doing. They're wanting to create like a nice epic mm-hmm. performance. I mean, it's got to be something that pays the bills, but, uh, you know, it's not something that I'm looking forward to during the holiday season for sure. No, it's right. just not my thing. Yeah. So um, my number uh, three mm-hmm. is uh, Ruben Stuttered's Sorry for 2004. Those lyrics, that song, I hate it. He never should have made it off of American Idol. God, just awful. Um, And if you ever listen to those lyrics, he's sorry for every month, and he lets us know in the lyrics every month. Sorry for it. And they make up 2004, apparently. Great. I'll have to check that out. uh, Okay, so my number two most hated song is uh, Bound 2 by Kanye. He had me at, I want to F you hard on the sink. After that, give you something to drink. (laughs) Step back. Can't get spunk on the mink. I mean, damn. What would Jerome, Romy, Romy, Rome think? (laughs) Holy shit, that's awful. And that video is so 
Uh, it's just like somebody had a handheld <laughs> camera and made it. It's just awful. I I hate the whole thing. And um, if somebody's going to tell you they're a genius, they better not write those lyrics. Right. I'm with you. I'm picturing the finest poets sitting in their <laughs> recliner chair. I wish I would have concocted such right, phrases. Exactly. Oh, man. You mean sink and drink and mink and think rhyme? What? <laughs> oh, man. Uh, well, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was an easy one for me. That probably was my number one. <laughs> Just so awful. But um, anywho. So my number one, and this is really a, a this one really takes me off sometimes. So you kind of joked about the Star Spangled Banner. Mm-hmm. I have a serious pet peeve when people sing the national anthem, and it's usually pop stars, and typically it's female, mm-hmm. but they decide that they have to add runs, and it, they think they're on American Idol, and they've got to make it their own. Yeah. You don't make the national anthem your own. <laughs> you just sing it beautifully. And when people try to do that, and, and they make it a five-minute song, and they're all over the place, I hate mm-hmm. that. It's just brutal. Just sing the song. I'm with you. So Fer- Fergie's version is gold? Is that what you're saying? Oh, that was beautiful. Second only to uh, Roseanne, <laughs> uh, which was just gorgeous. Uh, the, uh, the best reinterpretation of that was when they took the part when she was saying banner, rr, rr, <laughs> and they pitch corrected it and then put it over Smash Mouth's all-star. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. That's great. Yeah. So, yeah, that yeah. just drives me crazy. Um you know, and I and then you highlight that when we were in Canada and we watched the the singing of their national anthem and it was beautiful and everybody sang it along. It was like, this is how it's done, yeah. people. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, that's it. Oh hey, that's a great list. You've done your job. I'm pissed. It's not even my list, <laughs> but I already hate these songs you hate by proxy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to give him a slow clap for the fact that he just really drilled into the specifics. Yeah. You know, it didn't turn into a, you know, a giant laundry list of, oh, this drives me crazy, F this, F that, and papers flying or anything. It was just shortened to the point. So, so what are you saying here, Paul? <laughs> that I need to follow suit? <laughs> no, no, I'm just saying it's a tough challenge. And, you know, as a musician, there's a lot of things that I get, you know, a lot of pet peeves with. So uh, I really had to work hard to yeah. whittle this down. Oh, wow. Well, I, I mine's actually fairly short to the point too, because you know what that was the hardest part of this challenge I think is hmm. that it's hard to figure out what it is that I hate because I don't listen to what I hate. Same, right? So it's not like I have a, like a catalog of things to go to. It's like what am, what do I avoid the most, or if it comes on, what makes me you know crazy? So um, hmm. I'm gonna start with my honorable mention just as a kind of a callback to a previous <laughs> episode. Uh, so, T-Bags, you're ready for your list? Is that yeah, right? yeah. T-Bags, too hot for TV. <laughs> I love it. And please note that too hot is T-W-O. That's right. I just want I want to make drive that. By the way, is that is he brushing his teeth at the end of that? Is he squeezing toothpaste? Is that what I'm hearing? <laughs> Inquiring yeah. minds must know. He's squeezing simpler. Um, okay, so uh, <laughs> I love that intro, Paul. Thank you. I'm gonna, that cannot change. Um so as a, as a call back to a previous episode, but I do hate it. Uh, had like a whole cover by Buck Cherry <laughs> is my honorable mention. But why? <laughs> oh, do tell. Yeah, I don't know how to tell anybody yeah. anything. Just Enough listen said. to. Enough said. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so then I try to go with a few categories here. Like, why do I hate things, and what can I, what can I make different? Um, so topping it off uh, at number five was "Baby" by Justin Bieber. 
And I think that just like that encompasses all like the repetitive kind of pop song and putting some sort of like, you know, love thing on some kid singing it that doesn't have any experience with love and blah, blah, blah. You know, it just like everything Mm -hmm. about it. And then I watched the video and it made me twice as mad. So, um, (laughs) so Justin Bieber. How did I forget that? I grew up with a daughter who loved that. Oh, that's true. I had to take her to Camp Rock. (laughs) And I looked across the lawn and all there were were dads sitting down because they had to take their daughters to this crappy concert, and we all just looked disgruntled. Oh, I'm frightened. Yeah. Oh, it was for awful. My, for the future. That is horrible. Yeah. <laughs> As a dad. And, and, and you're giving money to the... I mean, of course, I wouldn't handle money well either young, but you're giving money to somebody that then you just know is you know, just a dick as, as far as the public persona mm-hmm. goes. Uh, so anyway, um, moving past that... Um, <laughs> Achy Breaky Heart by Billy Ray Cyrus. Oh, that should have made my list. <laughs> it cool. should make everyone's list, personally. You know, mm-hmm. I see, like, I was watching uh, the NWA sh- movie. Mm-hmm. And when people protest and they burn the NWA records. Like, why can't we just burn records because they're bad? Why does that have to be to protest a group? Why don't we just all get together and anybody has a copy of Achy Breaky Heart, we should just burn it. <laughs> That's just my take on it. Um uh, 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 it's 2019. We must recycle them. <laughs> okay. Yes. Good point, Paul. <laughs> um, and then uh, number three is Macarena. And I hate... I just had that for dinner. <laughs> oh. Well, I hate this because... Well, I mean, like, okay, funky chicken that you see, like, at a wedding or whatever. Like, it... <laughs> yes. And you know everybody's going to mm-hmm. do it. And it's part of that, whatever. But you don't hear funky chicken on the radio, right? And so right. Macarena is just like anything that has a dance associated with it that especially has just a bunch of like bad people dancing drunk and has no, there's just nothing redeeming about it to me. Just say it. Drunk white people who can't dance. Exactly. They need to have instructions mm-hmm. and, and look at the person <laughs> next to them. Oh, did I put my hand up or down? <laughs> and so. Right. It's just, but there's just nothing. There's no reason why that should exist. Like, and what makes me mad, Paul, you'll appreciate this. When I'm going through these lists, I keep thinking like, there's like, you know, there's data East alkylate out there. There's music out there. And like some of these things that get, they just get listened to and they have millions of plays, you know, just drives me crazy. Hmm. It's the majority at this point. Yes. And I, it really it is. is, and it just sucks. And it maybe already, already, always has been. I don't know. Maybe so, but I mean, at least we're in a culture now where you can put your own music out, and other people can hear. There's a lot of ways to consume it. But right. uh, anyway, um, then, so then, moving on, getting a little deeper into bands that I could possibly like or whatever. But so Nookie by Limp Biscuit, I've n- never <laughs> liked that. Even when we're, even when I was probably supposed to, because I was in college, you know. Um, but it was just one of those things where, like, you just knew that the band had talent, you know, maybe excluding Fred Durst. I don't know. But, and then it was just such a dumb, dumb song to me for some reason, you know. That's one of those moments, like, from our one of our first challenges where we were to switch singers in a uh-huh. band. That's where I felt like Jonathan Davis could have done a good job because that music, the tune itself, is yeah. a killer. And it's just the mm-hmm. content on top of it that uh, is irritating. Yeah, and it was one of those yep. things. You're right. I've heard a lot of bands or, or artists say, like, I don't want my song on a commercial because then that's all you'll see is, like, the Ford commercial with that song. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly, you're right. That's exactly how I feel because, like, I can't take those lyrics and that voice off of that music now forever. And right. and it would have been a whole different story probably with somebody else on it. So, 
But then rounding it out, you'll be surprised because my number one most hated song is by my number one favorite band. So, I hate the song Bike by Pink Floyd. Oh, really? Which is, yeah, super early in their career. And the reason I hate it is because I know what Pink Floyd came to be, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, and it's the most, like sing-songy, rhymey, stupid. Talk about Kanye's lyrics, like trying to find like sink and drink. I've got a bike, you can ride it if you like. You know, it sounds about like the first song anyone ever wrote in their garage. And so I hate it because it is in the catalog of such a band that I hold in such high regard. It's almost like sometimes when they'll right. when someone dies, they'll put something out that shouldn't have been put out because it was a demo, or mm. there's a B side that they just need to fulfill some sort of record contract, and it's just not worthy. Right. Um, granted, it's not the same iteration of Pink Floyd, but still, it's in their catalog. And so, every time I go back, I wish, man, if I just had, if I had this kind of same caliber of music, but you know, in in one more album, but I can't have that because that album had bike on it. <laughs> so there you go. Uh, Ouch. That was a good list. That was a good list, yeah, yeah for sure. Well and there's done. there's valid reasons for all of that. You know, now it's just gonna make me sound like a curmudgeon and I just hate everything. So <laughs> that's okay. Great. By the way, I I didn't mention this person, but uh Brian Vinson said he hates everything that's new pop. <laughs> so I didn't list that because it's not really a song, it just encompasses everything Fair enough, that's new. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, fair enough true. for sure. For true. All right, All right. Is it yes, my it turn. Is. I want to hear your intro music. Oh, I don't have a soundbite for me. I, I'm what? my own soundbite. JPP in the house. <laughs> oh, sorry. Tony and I are going to come up with one for yes. you. Yes, cool. I'll work on that. <laughs> awesome. I created kind of a list, and this is kind of dated in terms of the the tunes because they were at a time when I was so heavily immersed in playing out working record stores, working music retail, music shops, things like that, where I was mostly exposed to these earworms and things that were kind of, you know, getting under my nerves uh-huh. and, and uh, irritating me. Uh, you know, a lot of the pop stuff that's out today, I just tune it out. Um, my daughter likes some music from some prominent YouTubers. They release albums based off of their, hey, I've got 200,000 subscribers. I can release a CD and sell that and make some money, and it's terrible. So... <laughs> That goes without saying. Um, so I'll just go through this list, and I've got a couple honorable mentions, and uh, I'll explain those there at the end okay. as well. So number one is Tub Thumping by Chumbawamba. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. When I was at uh, Ham Booty, um, that was <laughs> quite a requested tune. People had no idea the name of the band or the song. Hey, what's that? I get knocked down, and but I get up again. You got that? Y'all got that? I had stacks of singles behind me, and you know, when you're in your 20s and you're realizing I've only got one shot at this life, and I don't want to spend my life, you know, and have my retirement plan based off of the sales of this one single. Um, you know, and you find yourself questioning: Do I quit now? Do I just write it out and find another gig? That was one of those kind of moments in my life where I realized I'm not going to spend the rest of my life at Ham Booty. <laughs> um, the inverse of that, I was actually working at uh, another record store for a different reason. Hootie and the Blowfish's Hold My Hand is mm-hmm. one that uh, really gets under my skin. And the reason being is when I was playing a lot of guitar and playing out, I would get asked, hey, can you play this song? We're obviously a metal band. 
and that's not in our repertoire. Uh-huh. And and it's like, oh, you know, what is it too difficult for you? It's three freaking chords. <laughs> no, it's not too difficult for me, but it's not in the vein of what we do. So you want me to be like, everybody, hold my hand. All right, here we go. <laughs> so you know, those moments were very uh, frequent in the uh, mid '90s, to say the least. Um, Santeria by Sublime. Uh, Sublime in general is one that kind of gets under my skin, too. And the reason being is when saw, I think you were at the show, too, Steve, Stabbing Westward at the Vogue. Um, it was around 2000, 2001. Were you at that show? I was not at that one. Okay. Monday and I were talking. Somebody else was there. Um, anyway, on the PA before the band came on, they're playing all of the X-103 popular hits. That sound, That song came on. And it just really drove home the, I guess, uh, market that really loved that song. I mean, there was about four or five guys that were completely inebriated, screaming that at the top of their heads. And then they start just bumping into each other. And then that ended up heading over my way. And then I get caught in the shuffle and two other buddies of mine get caught in it too. And next thing you know, we're involuntarily moshing to a borderline ska song. (laughs) And I'm just trying to get out of it and just stand and wait for Stabbing Westward. So anytime I hear that song, I think of that moment. And it's like, where there's alcohol, there's going to be guys that get fired up over it. And, you know, next thing you know, I'm you know, limping the rest of the yeah. day. And uh, so, yeah, that, 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 that's one on my list. Can I stop you? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I just wanted to say that if any novel opened with, like, the phrase, and we found ourselves involuntarily <laughs> moshing to a ska <laughs> song or something, like, yeah. I'm reading that whole book based on that line alone. <laughs> it was the best of times, it was the worst yeah. of times. Okay, sorry. Note to self, write that book. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's right. I have one purchase, guaranteed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Okay, go ahead. Sorry about that. Oh, no, you're good. Um, the next one is Semi-Charmed Life by Third Eye Blind. I mean, why not? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's definitely an earworm. When I was going to college, that was being played a lot from the dorms. Super uh, catchy. Full blast. Yep. Yes, yes. Okay. Um, the last on the top five list is Jesse's Girl by Rick Springfield. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, the, Lord. The, the riff is a complete earworm. I have nothing against Rick Springfield. I'm sure he's a nice guy, but when it gets stuck in my head, it won't go away to the point when I was working at a guitar uh-huh. store, my buddy Tracy would come up, eh. I mean, we always joked whenever we did an impersonation of him, it was always, eh, so you don't like that song? And he'd start playing it, and I was just like, get the F out of my face. You know, he would always ruin my day by playing that riff because it was stuck in my head. So, top five, there I you love go. It. Two honorable mentions. Ready? <laughs> yes, time. The first one is Be Our Guest off the Beauty and the Beast soundtrack. <laughs> You're a hater. That's ridiculous. <laughs> well, my freshman year in college, I was going into the music school, and I didn't know how to read a note of sheet music, so they put me on uh, a probationary period where I was taking lessons, getting kind of gradually involved in the music program, and then that end of that semester, I would test and you know take the test and you know eventually i got in that next semester so awesome yeah but the price i paid is i had to join the university choral union the ucor which was basically hey do you have a voice you're in the choir no auditions (laughs) necessary so they had a list of songs that we had to perform at the end of the semester and be our guest was one of them and well 
you know, my wife loves Beauty and the Beast, and I don't have a problem with the uh-huh. song, but every time I hear it, I just think of all of us going over those sections and those measures over and over again because people couldn't get the parts nailed down. So to be stuck on measure 32 for four uh-huh. hours was completely grueling. And so, you know, my brain goes back to that memory. So you see, you know, these music, music evokes memories. Sometimes it's happy thoughts. It's love stories. And in this case, it's like, oh, my gosh, I can't get out of the Matrix. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so that's where I'm at with okay. that. So, wow. Last one is called Daddy's Getting Married by a group called Biff Naked. I believe that was the, <laughs> the performer's name. And um, she was she had some albums out in the 90s. She has a tune that's on the Buffy soundtrack my wife likes. She loved Buffy the Vampire Slayer. But I'll put the link in the show notes. Steve, I want you to listen to it particularly because when I first heard this song, it was on a sampler. And it is a dead ripoff of Today by the Smashing Pumpkins. No way. It started, it started huh. off, it's it's not going to be note for note exact, but what it did is it started off with a little electric guitar melody at the beginning, then it kicked into the same three-chord style progression, went to a clean part, sang over that, builds up. I mean, it's verbatim the same arrangement in a different key with different lyrics. Uh-huh. You know, so it's uh, you know kind of an under-the-rug ripoff. <laughs> you said Biff so, Naked? Biff Naked, yeah. yep. B-I-F. B-I-F, okay. Uh, yeah, yeah so. so two things real quick. I just listened to that intro, Paul, and you are spot on. Mm-hmm. I mean, oh my gosh. Steve, I can't wait for you to hear that. And I only did it quickly so I could jump back into the conversation, but uh, yeah, you're spot on there. And then with Jesse's Girl, did you guys know this? This blew my mind when I found this out. But you know how the, one of the big lines, because it's funny, is uh, the, the point is rather moot or whatever? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you know that that means like, it doesn't mean that it doesn't, people think moot means like the opposite of what it really is, actually. Typically people screw it up and they say the point is mute. They say mute, but then they. Which is totally incorrect. It's moot, not yeah, mute. And then they think moot yeah. means like not arguable, you know, like, or it's not, what's the word I'm trying to look for here? This is really going poorly on my end, but. Uh, moot? <laughs> yes, thank you that one. But moot actually means, it actually means subject to debate. It means like debatable. It's a point that's open for debate, instead of like the point is really moot, or the point is rather moot on that. Which uh, how that even got written into a song, I don't know. But uh, yeah, anyway, that just blew my mind because for years I based my definition of that word on that song, and I would think, well, that's a moot point because you know that's closed, done, you, you know, and but it actually means open for debate. Rick, thank you for corrupting the education system <laughs> for all these years yes i i can't wait to get to biff naked now i i may have to say, uh, just end this show <laughs> yeah, get on it <laughs> goodbye folks yeah this is so weird paul you were talking about how like a song gets stuck in your head mm-hmm. i have no idea how this got in my brain last night you know we watched the fights and they got over super late so we didn't go to bed in like 2 30 or 3 which for me is just ridiculous mm-hmm. right but i kept waking up and repeatedly, the lyrics, you can't see California without Marlon Brando's eyes, just was popping in my head over and over. And those lyrics <laughs> from Eyeless, I think I listened to when I was working out the other day, had no reason to pop in there. And I kept waking up to it, and it just ruined my sleep all night long. <laughs> so dumb. <laughs> Well, thanks to my daughter's uh, playlist that we listened to in the car and mm-hmm. just, you know, random intervals. Things will be in my head when I wake up without me having any rhyme or reason. And one of which, <laughs> one of the more recent Muppet movies, um, the first one of the, the newer ones, mm-hmm. they did a uh, chicken rendition of uh, 
FU from uh, CeeLo Green uh, uh, and, or Gnarls Barkley, whichever, how they did that. So it was like, bark, 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 you know, this stuff. And so um, she loves that, uh, and we've listened to it repeatedly. And so 6.30 in the morning on last Tuesday, I woke up, and that's in my head. I'm like, oh, <laughs> you, know, you know, so. Yeah. That's classic. Uh, yeah. Just uh, so this is my life for a few years. The next morning, make her a bunch of eggs and tell her that you ate the band, and there's no more. <laughs> there's no more albums coming out. <laughs> right. Sorry, you're gonna have to listen to my music now. <laughs> there you go. Parenting for the win. There you go. Excellent challenge, Paul. Good work. Hey, that thanks. Good. I like that. I think um, my challenge for next week. I think we can probably get some people to weigh in because I think people are gonna feel pretty strongly about this. Okay. Weekly challenge. <laughs> that sounded satanic. <laughs> That's what I love about it. It's like this, the most innocuous thing sounds evil. <laughs> well, I didn't want it to sound like me. <laughs> you know what's funny is how many times have you said innocuous lately? Well, I just did once. Yeah, and I just wrote that in my notes for Weezer. Did you? Isn't that crazy? Yeah, okay. I did. Huh. I'll screenshot it for you if you don't believe me. Must be kismet. <laughs> is. <laughs> All right, so anyway, here's the challenge for next week. We actually talked about it a little bit in uh, our uh, thread yeah. when we were texting. So the I just had to put the parameters on it. So what we're going to do is we are going to create the ultimate band. Yes. And that band will be made up of from anywhere. Well, I know we're going to do limit of five musicians. Damn it. To make up your band. I know, Tony, <laughs> sorry. sorry. And you can't add 10 extra. <laughs> okay. Tony's got a violin section on the side. I don't know. but <laughs> So it's five members. You don't have to have five. You could have four if, you, if you're going to have a clean group. But uh-huh. um, no more than five. And uh, to, you've got to have the four, I would assume. But um, create your band. Made up of any musician. Alive, dead, doesn't matter. Okay. And um, bring it to us next week. Groovy. Okay. I can do that. Challenge accepted. I need a sound bite for that. For what? Challenge accepted? Yes. Yeah, for sure. Ooh. Oh, that's good. I mean, this is so easy. I can just tell you right now, it's going to be Rush and two guys to hand them instruments. So, <laughs> I mean, done. Yeah. I'm working on a way so. to uh, surgically fuse people together so I can still get get everybody in. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Cyborgs. Yeah. That's going to be great, Tony. Frankenstein's yeah, brother. Thanks. <laughs> No, I think it's actually going to be kind of an easy. I think I think we can probably all name a couple musicians for each thing like right now. Yeah. Sweet. Yeah. Cool. All right. That's it. We'll put it out online. Okay. And uh, see if we get some takers to join us. Sweet. I like it. Fantastic. All right. That brings us to Weezer, the Black Album, Album. Review. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I need to tip you off first. It's all right. What's the time for, Paul? Album review. (laughs) Darn right it is. Yes. So um, this is uh, continuing Weezer's uh, love of naming albums after colors. Uh. This comes off of the Teal album, which was their uh, album where they did a lot of covers, which was not super popular with us, but other people did love that one. Um, And I think uh, Toto's Africa that they covered was a huge success, yeah. and I think people generally like that. And um, they did aha and things, so they, it did get a pretty warm reception. And it's only been since 2017 since their last album. And um, this one, the Black Album, came out. What'd you guys think? 
I think it came at a right time with the challenge. How's <laughs> <Of> that? <laughs> Good point. Hit it. I'm going to jump in just because most sure. most weeks I will take the backseat and, and be the last person to weigh in, but I didn't go song by song after I got through this. And I was just seeing if I was valid in what I was thinking, and so I went through a couple of blogs that I really like, and Consequence of Sound, which I love that site. Mm-hmm. Um they said it best in one line. They said, it's like watching a friend that you love make a really bad choice. Ouch. <clears throat> I know. That's kind of how I felt. And so my own synopsis on the whole thing was basically like, as someone who can love a song for lyrics alone, I felt like I was left like hungry still for something. And as someone who appreciates music, I was left angry. So my ultimate score was a hangry 2.5 on the album. <laughs> would love it. That's that a, was a that's... good score based on what you said. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, well, when I listened to it, when we were talking back and forth, too, it, only a few songs were out, and then the whole thing came out. Right. And so there was some redeemable music quality, I think, in there every once in a while, but it just was not enough for me to like it or want to listen to it again. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. Paul? Cool. My turn? All right. So I did something completely off the wall, and I wrote notes and actually wrote myself kind of a statement on my review i had time to do that considering the album was only 37 minutes long uh, it freed up my schedule to expand on my information so i will pull a i won't pull a tea bags but i will pull a move similar to tea bags and kind of give a summary based off the songs sure can't knock the hustle i wrote down tight poppy Number two, Zombie Bastards, I wrote Sublime, question mark, because it had that, you know, for the title, I would have thought something a little more edgy, but it was like, hey, you zombie bastards, blah, you know, that kind of <laughs> stuff. So uh, it definitely wasn't the direction I thought it was going to go. High as a kite. Um, the, dr- the drums were uh, really good. It had a nice dry sound to it, very vintage flair. Um, Living in L.A. was heavily produced. Reminds me of uh, the band Fits in the Tantrums. Lots of reverberated vocal in there. Piece of Cake has a Ben Folds vibe to it. Uh, I'm just being honest. It's probably the best guitar on the album so far. Uh, the most Weezer-like tune. Uh, too many thoughts in my head. Lots of percussion and wah. That's what stuck, stuck out to me on that one. Um, the Prince, who wanted everything, was very Weezer-like with Barry Sachs. I thought it had a good drive to it. Byzantine reminds me of, of a band called Combustible Edison. I don't know if you guys are familiar <laughs> with them, but if you've seen the movie Four Rooms, where each room was a different Love movie that. director, the soundtrack was Combustible Edison, very bossa nova, very loungy and vintage. It had that vibe to it to me. Uh, California Snow was like 21 Pilots meets Muse. It was kind of a fun tune, but definitely outside of the normal Reezer whelm, uh, realm. Whelm. I'm not whelmed. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. So I wrote down kind of a summary of my take. It's a step toward a new direction. Years of a style and sound can wear on a fans and band alike. This collection of tunes toys with several forks in the road as if experimenting with various elements to see what sticks with fans for future releases. Like they're trying to find out, okay, what's the market going to want? We'll go that direction. Uh Kind of like that cover of Africa. I feel like the Teal album was a response to that. Um, the grind of the guitar and mono synth leads are nearly all gone, leaving me at the bus station to wave goodbye to the Weezer I knew as they flirt with OK Go and Sugar Ray. Oh. <laughs> um, that's kind of how I feel on it because, you know, that first Sugar Ray album was just mean and driving, had some good heavy elements, and they toyed with some hip-hop and some different styles too. But then once Fly came out, that band I knew as Sugar Ray was gone. Uh-huh. Um, the album's effort is of high quality, but most of what 
uh, hit my ears is unfortunately disposable and not memorable. Um, you know, and I even listened to the White Album, which was the album prior to this, and that was kind of the the end of that era of Weezer to me. Where they still had some of the gritty guitar and some of the the raw nature of, of what we knew as Weezer. So it's like they said goodbye to that, and now they're moving on to a new direction. Uh So that said, it's kind of like we've had this discussion before. Artists want to evolve and do what they want. It's kind of like a relationship, you know? It's like I have friends in the past who I hung out with that we had a good time going to shows and listening to drum and bass music or electronic music, but ultimately they went a different path, and I found myself wanting to go to college, and it's not that I don't like them anymore. It's just we went our separate ways to pursue do other things so you know i'm gonna have to wave hey weezer good luck on your journey you know maybe we'll meet up again uh-huh. but as far as this album goes i feel like you know it's a complete disconnect from what i was used to from them and it's not you know me saying i hate them or anything like that it's just you know it's a new era for them and i just don't think i'm gonna follow it so i'm gonna give it uh probably about a 2.25 um probably won't revisit it that's a good good review actually thanks yeah. Yeah, that's better than what I did. So I'm just going to say ditto. <laughs> and um, no, I'm yeah. just kidding. Oh, uh-huh. uh-huh. <laughs> uh, man. I had a lot of similar thoughts. Um, and what you said at the end, and I've said it before in basically justifying my position that a band can transform and change uh-huh. and be something different than what they were and following that. And it's a good thing for me. And and people who complain, I think we've talked about this with Metallica before, where um, people say that, you know, they hate the new stuff. They love the, you know, and I get it. Now I get it more <laughs> because yeah. I, this, the band, and it's interesting too, because when I listen to this album, and this is where I came up with innocuous, <clears throat> to me, it's an innocuous pop album. Uh-huh. It, it's so simple. If I didn't know it was Weezer, it would be hummable and interesting, okay, but nothing that I would gravitate to. But if I look back, and I did, I went back to all of their old albums, just played a couple of songs just to get that feel to make sure I wasn't like Uh looking at this wrong. But this is an example of a band who over time has just transformed little by little by little to where they are now. And now is a place that I don't love. Yep. By any means. And if you would listen to the first album to this one, it's drastic. It's huge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if you think about when they came out and they had Buddy Holly and Undone the Sweater Song and uh, Say It Ain't So. Yeah. I mean, the fantastic. That was so great. And then Pinkerton in 1996 was just like in your face. Great guitar. The guitar is lost. Like, Paul, you talked about a little bit of guitar on one of the songs. It's almost absent for most of this album. Mm-hmm. Um, in 90, let's see, 2017, I went back because I was thought, man, did I miss that where they had shifted so far? And there were still a couple of good songs with some guitar, like Mexican Fender um, oh. off of Pacific Daydreams, which I, I felt still gave me that Weezer feel. But this record really is just a very safe, poppy record I, it doesn't feel like the quirkiness is there yeah the guitar is certainly gone uh-huh. um the edginess is gone uh it's really hard the one song that i felt like kind of stands out for me is i'm just being honest because uh-huh. uh, it's kind of funny your band sucks you know i mean <clears throat> there are some lyrics that i think are pretty fun there and it's a catchy little song 
but for the most part, man, they've become a band that I just don't care to listen to anymore. Yeah. And it's kind of sad to say because they were so interesting when they came out. Oh, I, I think that brings up some good points. Even, uh, I'll have to link you to that Consequence of Sound article because they talk about, like, the band's career that spans decades. And I think, like you're saying, I mean, they're allowed to evolve and they should evolve. It, you, there's something to be said, too, for their first album sounds like their most current album. You know, if they didn't evolve, is that what you'd want, too? Mm-hmm. But, uh, but I think you just expect more um, at this point as a fan. And if you don't, that's fine because they can evolve. But where do you, where do, where does that disconnect then start to happen? I mean, like uh, I read this weekend that Eminem set an attendance record for New Zealand. So talk about somebody who has a career that spans decades, you know, mm-hmm. like completely still relevant in his game, you know. Um, mm-hmm. and I think he's doing that even more now, not caring what the market is saying, you know, just maybe, and maybe I'm wrong, mm-hmm. but maybe I think he's doing more now where I, I think bands get away from doing like that. The whole first part of Weezer, they were just doing what they wanted to do. They were playing music and Paul, you can understand that as a musician, you have no pressure from a label. You have no anything. You're just making mm-hmm. music and you're hoping to get that rock star lifestyle, but you're not there yet. Then you do, and Steve, you've talked about it before, when you tour and things like that. Like, what do you write about when you don't have money woes and you're on the road and you don't have time to experience things? So eventually it's got to come back around to being inspired again. And then what comes yeah. out of that? So, you know, if this is what came out of being inspired, good for them. It's just like like we've all said, I think. It's just a disconnect from what we like. Yeah. And, you know, that's, again, you know, maybe I'm being the curmudgeon because this was my Weezer and this is how I liked it. <laughs> but, you know, bottom line, you know, I, I don't hate them for making the change. I just feel like, you know, the direction they want to go is a direction I'm heading, you know, in an opposite way, basically. Sure. And it's mm-hmm. totally fine. You know, I've ebbed and flowed through electronic music and rock and, you know, dabbled with, you know, sludge metal and that kind of stuff. So, it's you know, I'm, I'm not um, a person that says... I must listen to this genre and this genre only. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just, I guess I was just a little taken aback by, you know, the elements that were presented to me with Rivers' vocals on top of it because it's not, you know, the the normal Weezer that I've come to know through the years. And even when they did a new album, there was still something fresh about it. I mean, take the song Beverly Hills. It's a mm-hmm. poppy, catchy mm-hmm. song, but it's real basic. It still has a good driving guitar, but they still you know, started adding some of those extra hooks and things. So, you know, it was still familiar, ingestible, and pleasurable, where I felt like now it's like, hey, let's just completely erase this palette and let's tack on some horns, let's tack on some strings, let's, you know, put some ukulele and some acoustic guitar in in rhythms that you're not familiar with with uh, Weezer. So, you Uh know, it is what it is. I wish them the best, bottom line. That's all there is to it. I I can say this for it. While I didn't love this... It definitely, when I went back and did the re-listen, made me appreciate the older ones even more. Sure. Good yeah. Point. Yeah, because those were some fantastic albums. So. And I will never forget the day I went uh, to Karma Records with a couple bucks in, in hand, and I got the Blue album from, mm-hmm. from them, the first one, and, you know, listened to it, you know, basically front to back and looked in the liner notes, all that good stuff. I completely immersed myself in that album. And at the time when I was jamming with my metal band... My drummer told me that he went out and bought the cassette. And he said, you know, I normally wouldn't go for a band that's popular like this. He was into some underground goth stuff. But uh, he said, 
there was the drum fill in Undone the Sweater song that got the got the got got. He's like that sold me on that tune. He's like I just had to rewind and listen to uh-huh. that repeatedly. So they had little hooks and elements that just people could gravitate toward and it would suck you in even if it wasn't the whole song. There was moments that they did that were just <clears throat> gold. So Right. Agreed. Uh-huh. Like, all right, so that wraps that up. I think uh let's see 2.5, 2.25 and mm-hmm. um, I'll probably slide right in there with Tony with a 2.5. All right. That one song saved him. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Yeah, that's a pretty fun song. And next week, the cool thing is we already have our review for next week, and I'm really excited about this one. We're going to be doing Amanda Palmer's new record. Yes. Uh, there will be no intermission. So I'm really excited nice. for that. I'm hoping that's going to be uh, something special. What was her last record? Do you guys know? Off the top of my head, I do not. Um, I'm wanting to say it wasn't it wasn't that long ago. It might have even been last year. Seriously? Yeah. If, it, if that's the case, I missed it. I follow her. Uh, hang on. I'm looking up real fast. I'll look. Yeah. 2017. Okay, so two Pianos. years ago. She's on the two-year clip. That's good. Yeah, yeah. Excellent. Okay. Sweet. This concludes our album review. <laughs> and this next album is 20 songs. So we're going to be going from a 35-minute record to... 20 songs. So there goes my weekend. Wait. The number, this is crazy. If you look at these, there's one minute, 10 minutes, 37 seconds, six minutes, 40 seconds. Mm. They're all over the place. This will be interesting. So I'm kind of excited. Yeah, that'll, it'll be fun. She's always got interesting stuff. And there's a video that's pretty uh, interesting. I can't remember what the song is for, but I'm going to, I'm not even going to say anything about it. I'm just going to post it in the show notes, but it's, it's a very interesting artsy video from one of her albums, probably in the last five to 10 years. Nice. Cool. All right. So, fellas, let's catch us up. What have you been listening to this week? What's going on? As we discussed earlier in the week, Weezer launched the first four tunes, and I was just like, "What? What? What's happening? Yeah. I I need to I need to cleanse my eardrums a little bit, and you know, get into some some stuff with a little more edge that I was looking for. I went through kind of a vintage kick, um, old industrial. Uh, noise band Godflesh. I don't know if either of you've listened to them much at all in the day, uh-huh. back in the day. Uh, J.K. Broderick. He, uh, I didn't listen to to Godflesh specifically, but um, he has a new project that's been out for a while called Yesu or Jesu, J E S U, um, and it's got the heavy guitar like Godflesh, but it's kind of airy and melodic and um, very interesting. It's it's got kind of an upbeat feel with the dark sludge at the same time it's a lovely contrast so i've been going through and listening to a lot of that discography came across a video on youtube where he collaborated with a couple of other bands um and revolver magazine filmed it 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 turned me on to a band called nothing which was also really cool it's kind of a um grindy indie rock kind of sound and what's funny is it has kind of an upbeat tone to it, but the lyrics are dark as hell. Like they have a song called "The Dumb" or, or "The Dead" or "Dumb," uh-huh. um, but and it's you know kind of a nice little uh, contrast to the way things are sounding. But just a great listen. Their first two albums are really good, and as I got into the other albums, I had, didn't get a chance to dig as deep, but I'm enjoying everything I've heard so far. So uh, just called nothing. Definitely check them out. 
Um, with that, I was also going through the rabbit hole of You Might Like. Came across a band called True Widow. Their self-titled album was really good, too. Lots of nice um, distorted guitar elements as well as uh, some acoustic guitar kind of paired with it. And it just really blended nicely. So I was looking for that grit, I guess, when I heard Weezer and didn't get that. So I really dug deep and found it. So mission accomplished. Lastly, I was listening to kind of a sludge band called Paul Bearer really ultra slow tempos really just cool vibe and sound found some videos of them playing live it's always fascinating to see especially when they're doing something so slow and uh you know something i wouldn't have the patience to play myself because i'm finding myself waiting for that next beat and it's like i just need to get something that's kind of in rhythm with my heartbeat here just to keep moving but uh, oh. they do it well and just great thick wall of guitar sounds and great bass tone as well. So anything that you find from Paul Bearer, you can't go wrong. Nice. Okay. Excellent. I just pulled up nothing on uh, Apple Music, and so I've got it loaded up when I get to work tomorrow. I'm going to pop that in first thing in the morning. Check it out. Awesome. Very cool. Yeah. Thanks, Paul. Nate, no problem. Tea bags. Well, um... Tea bags. <laughs> too hot for TV. Yes. <laughs> will never get old for me. Uh, uh, it's already old for me. Well, <laughs> too bad, man. Just, just kidding. Uh, Love it. When I say too bad, it's TWO. Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, so Metalhead Monday, uh, through that text string that we all had going on, uh, got me <laughs> listening to some old Tori Amos. Mm-hmm. And so... Little Earthquakes under the pink and Boys for Pele, especially. I mean, I like a lot of stuff she did, mm. but and Boys for Pele, um, a lot of that was recorded in New Orleans, and there's a lot of that kind of feel to you with the kind of jazz band and some horn sections and things like that. So, um, mm. yeah, that was a really, really fun trip down uh, memory lane there because I had time I was working, and I, I probably made it through all three albums while I was working. So, um, and then, uh, Meg Myers, who I love and I've mentioned before, um, I follow her on Instagram and she was saying how much she liked this band called Low Moon and she was posting about that. It's L-O Moon and it's a self-titled album. That's, it's really good. Pretty interesting. The cover art's cool. And then um, uh, my friend in Atlanta, uh, Jason, but we call him Fruity, he always finds good stuff for me. And Paul, you'll want to check this one out for sure, but um, it's a band called Hyper. Okay. I'd never heard of them, but it's very good electronic music. Um, cool. And then uh, somewhere along the lines in my playlist, and I had forgotten that they did this, but How to Destroy Angels, which is basically you know Trent Reznor and his wife and Atticus and Rob Sheridan, um, they did a song called is, or they did a cover of Is Your Long Is Your Love Strong Enough, and it was for I think the Girl with the Dragon Tattoo soundtrack. But um, nice, yep. it was the first time I had heard Trent's voice in a while, and it's very subtle in the background towards the end, but. Uh, Mary Queen, his wife, does a really good job of covering it. So it was one of those things I just was like, oh, I completely forgot about that. It was really good to have pop up as a surprise. But uh, other than that, that's it. And then, like I mentioned earlier, I'm reading that Can't Hurt Me by David Grogkins, and it's a pretty recommended read if you don't mind. The F-bomb dropped every other word. Very cool. No, I, I certainly don't because you read his story and where he came from, and you see why he does Absolutely. so much. But yeah. uh, Man, no, the Tori Amos, you mentioning that, I, I definitely need to dig back into that as well. Um, I remember seeing her twice uh, in the 90s, saw her at uh, the Murat in, in the um, actual theater. Monday and I were in the uh-huh. balcony. She had an upright piano and just fantastic performance. And yeah. then caught her uh, on a double bill with Alanis Morissette, actually. Oh, wow. 
Um, she was the reason I went to the show, actually. And I, I we stayed for Alanis as well. Um, and that was a good band, good show. I mean, Alanis wasn't something that was my favorite at the time, especially with the songs that were just nonstop on the radio. You got yeah. you couldn't get away from uh-huh. it. it. You know, didn't put it under songs I hate because I definitely didn't dislike them. They were just a little too, you know, put, they put the thumb on me too much back then. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. But, um. I will say that the indoor performance of Tori I enjoyed much better just because when you're doing an outdoor concert, sometimes piano gets washed out, especially with the crowd, yeah. and uh, it was just harder to hear, but um, I enjoyed both performances and, and uh, definitely need to pull those out of my stack of CDs and give those a listen again for sure. In fact, when I when the first album came out, Little Earthquakes, I actually w- tried to work on an arrangement of winter for guitar uh-huh. and... Uh, you know, it was something that I kept working on and kept working on, but I just couldn't quite get it the way I wanted to. So maybe I should try that again sometime. Yeah, that's a great song. And then, uh, Steve, I'll get to you here in one second, but I wanted to say on that, on the one you saw at the Barah, um, did she have, I saw her there too, and she did one where she had the piano in front of her and a harpsichord behind her, and she would switch. Yes, that's okay, the one. Yeah, that was a great show. Yep. Stevie? You guys were there and didn't even know it. Yeah. You did, you yep. just reminded me that I hated ironic because nothing in the song was ironic. <laughs> well, that's a rather moot point, Steve. <laughs> Don't you mean it's a mute point? <laughs> that's right. That's a clever rouge, Tony. <laughs> it's like Ray Yane. <laughs> oh man. Okay, Stevie, what are you listening to? Nothing. <laughs> All right, so that's the show this fun. Fo- oh no. Um <laughs> I I I really have just a couple of things to say. I wasn't listening to a lot other than, seriously, when I talked about listening to Weezer and then going down that rabbit hole to all the old ones, uh-huh. I spent a lot of time listening to those old records. Okay. Um, and so that was a lot of what my week was, other than some podcasts. And so um, a couple cool things. Uh, I started following this podcast. I'm going to give them a little shout-out called Crowding the Plate. It's uh-huh. a Major League Baseball podcast. And so I won... A jersey from yeah. them this week, which was nice. a lot of fun. Nice. Vlad Jr., he's good chance he's going to be the, uh, I, I would suspect, up for the rookie of the year if, if everything goes as has been going with him. So that was really cool. They've uh, mailed that out. Hopefully I'll get it here in the next couple of days. I'll post that on Twitter. So Crowding the Plate podcast. I've listened to all their episodes. It's really good, really informational. Mm-hmm. Um, I finished Umbrella Academy, all 10 episodes. Fan freaking tastic! It's so good. I love it. The soundtrack is awesome. Cool. Just watch for that. Visuals are good. Story's good. Um, it is not like the book was. So mm-hmm. those people who have to have it exactly as the book are complaining and whining. But you know what? Sometimes things just don't work in movies or TV like they do in a book. For sure. Um, and perhaps the murder magician just didn't work in the TV show, and so they found another way around it. And I found it satisfying, and I really liked it. So hopefully everybody will check that out. Yes. Um, and then the other thing was really cool. Slipknot this week, a couple days ago, put a uh, post on with a clock ticking down, and the barcode that has gone all the way back to their first record was there. And there was a, a spot that said, Share Your Location. You click on that, and it gave you the coordinates of the nearest uh, venue for their upcoming concerts. And so they will be at uh, the old Deer Creek, the Ruoff Music Center. And the countdown should be sometime tomorrow night. So I'm hoping at the end of that time we'll get the uh, when their tickets are going to be on sale. 
and it had another date on there, which was 819. So I assume that means that that will be the release of their new record. Cool. So that was kind of a fun way that they did it because everybody was like, what does this mean? What are these quarters? What's going on? So I put them in, and yeah, it definitely was Ruoff Mortgage. <laughs> yeah, so, nice. That's cool. That was really fun. Did uh, you get a chance to listen to that band Lip Snot that I sent you the album cover for? This they week? are so tasty. <laughs> Love that group. <laughs> Super smooth. That's so funny. Those grooves no are just taste. oozing. Oh, gross. <laughs> so here's a question I wanted to ask real quick before we wrap sure. up. Um, you're talking about new podcasts. Do you, either you, are you disturbed when you go onto your podcast app to find something new to listen to and the top five to ten are usually based on murder? <laughs> uh, no, because in our house, my wife loves those murder mystery shows. She is engrossed. They're intriguing, and that's why people like to listen to those things. Yeah. I, uh, I don't know. I, I guess I didn't see anything wrong with it. <laughs> no, no. I, I always just joke because my, my wife was watching uh, Lorena Bobbitt's documentary this weekend, Ooh. and we watched the Ted Bundy tapes, and then she's mm-hmm. watched Snapped before, and I'm just like, okay. are you getting ideas? Can, yeah. Are you studying? Can we just... <laughs> you said murder, and that's... But then you said Lorena Bobbitt. That wasn't murder. Yeah, but that no, was, pretty much was. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it, it definitely killed something. That's what I'm saying. For sure. I mean, King Richard's dead, but it was uh, killed yeah. one member of the group. Um, <laughs> one member. <laughs> you know, it's funny is when you you mention that. Um, you know, it's difficult to find listenership. You know, and so sure. Uh, my wife watches Doctor Phil every day. She is like mm-hmm. totally into. It. Well, he has a new podcast. Yeah, every day. Have you subscribed to my podcast? Fill in the blanks. That's P H I L. But it's like every day he went out in the audience and held their phones and showed them how to get on their their podcatcher and and, and find fill in the blanks. Like, do you really need to do that? Was it? Uh, I mean, do you really need more coverage? You need to take control of your life. <laughs> Was it fill in the blank? Like P H I L? Every time he has to spell it. Yeah, we get it, Phil. <laughs> yeah. No, but I mean, he's a businessman. That guy. <laughs> oh, he's so smart. I mean, he yeah. is so smart and so rich, but it's just like, we get it. It's yeah. over the top stop. He he was great <laughs> on Rogan's podcast recently, by the way. I need to listen to that for sure. He is yeah. he is great. I mean, the dude is smart. He knows what he's doing. He's a great businessman. But yeah. um, I'm just like, come on, can you throw me a few uh, listeners? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. All right, gentlemen. That wraps up another awesome week. Next week, we will be reviewing Amanda Palmer. And our challenge will be putting together some super bands made up of anywhere from three to five members. And um, I'm sure we'll have some more awesome stories. Excellent. Right. Great, guys. Hey, everybody, we will see you next week. Bye now.
It stinks.